All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a surprise spur of the moment episode of Utah Liberty Talk, recording two days in a row. Um, I'm not going to go through too much of the uh, introduction to this. Um, I'm going to get right into the topic because um, you guys heard this yesterday uh, during the regular show. But this one is specifically going to be focused on the conflict in Afghanistan and what's been going on with that situation. Many of you guys might have seen on the news, a lot of stuff has been trending on Twitter. Um, and a lot of people are talking about this. And just like what happened on January 6th in Washington, D.C., I like to hop on these things as soon as possible. Um, Utah Liberty Talk uh, and Political Dysfunction together, we take multiple sources, we combine them together, and we give a honest, logical, and clear, uh, credible opinion on these issues and what we can do to fix a lot of these issues that we see. So that's what we're doing today. Multiple sources go into this, um, including NPR, New York Times, Ron Paul Liberty Report, so on and so forth. Um, but the war in Afghanistan, oh my gosh, so you might have heard previously, and I tweeted this on Utah Liberty Talk today, about how it's a perfect time to um, remind ourselves and look over uh, what we have you know, done as a nation in terms of what we've done overseas and the kind of things that, that we've done in the Middle East, particularly in recent times. The U.S. has been in the Middle East for a long time. We're, we're getting close to running up on 40 years here. We're about 30 years as the is the most accurate representation of those numbers. Um, but we've spent a lot of time and a lot of money in the Middle East. And this is something we touched on in the foreign intervention uh, episodes of Utah Liberty Talking Political Dysfunction. Um, but Afghanistan particularly has been quite the tricky situation, as, as they all have in the Middle East. Um, m most of them are more blatantly obvious um, that they are a no-go. But Afghanistan is a bit more tricky because they are our allies. Um, we have other allies over there like Saudi Arabia, but in Afghanistan, we've spent about 20 years there and over a trillion dollars. We've lost multiple thousands of lives. I think the count is about 2,500 American lives we have lost in Afghanistan. So a little update with what's going on with that situation. Currently, the United States is en route to evacuate Afghanistan by the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Um, this is something that was negotiated uh, previously by Trump's administration. He had had negotiations with the Taliban, and in agreements for the U.S. to pull out troops by May 1st, 2021, uh, the Taliban would be willing to sever ties with Al-Qaeda, which is the main reason why we were even in Afghanistan to start. They had severed ties with, with Al-Qaeda and uh, other terrorist groups, and um, we would leave them be and pull out of Afghanistan by May 1st. Biden gets into office, and I'm not sure if the deal was renegotiated or if Biden just pretty much said, screw the deal, we're going to pull out when we feel like it. But the goal was to uh, get the troops out of Afghanistan by the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Joe Biden doubled down on pulling the U.S. troops out of Afghanistan, and he gets some criticism from the right, particularly Republicans, uh, when it comes to this. But I'm always for uh, pulling troops out of, Af out of Afghanistan, per not particularly, but out of countries in general that we have no business being in. So he's pulling these troops out and he's getting a lot of backlash for it because a lot of people disagree with the way that he's doing it. Now, the way that it really is, is that we should have never have been there in the first place. And this is something I'll 
reiterate over and over and over again, but we should have never have been there in the first place. Uh, and it doesn't really matter because we need to get out of there. We're tired of wasting tax dollars. We're tired of wasting American lives. But apparently he's doing it in a way that is very uh, irresponsible and unsafe. And he's caught criticism particularly from the right for this. So we're kind of seeing a phasing out of Trump's whole oorah and the spirit. So I got to say, Ron Paul actually set a good stage for Donald Trump in the 2016 primary when Ron Paul ran in 2008 on 2012 on very anti-war platforms. Big shout out to Ron Paul. We love the guy here at Utah Liberty Talk. We love the guy in the Liberty Movement. Ron Paul, a phenomenal, uh, all-around, great great person when it comes to putting forth liberty. He's brought so many people to the movement. Um, but Ron Paul really set the stage in the Republican Party for Donald Trump to come in with this anti-war movement. And although it wasn't exactly what we uh, what we wanted from Trump or expected from Trump, and he went back on his promises like politicians do, um, Trump had negotiated a good deal to finally get us out of there. It was better than nothing. Apparently, it was responsible. And the Biden administration went back on it. And now he's they're catching heat from the Republicans because they're back to their warmongering, war hawk selves. Um, and they find a reason to stay in Afghanistan even longer because it's, quote unquote, irresponsible. Now, if we had pulled out by May 1st, I'm sure that either uh, this situation wouldn't be happening exactly as it had, or this situation would have already been handled by now. But the point of the matter is that we should have been out of there. So, um, 3,000 U.S. troops are on a temporary mission to evacuate those in Kabul, in the Kabul embassy. That is the capital of Afghanistan. Um, and the main reason for this and the main reason for what has been going on is because the Afghanistan government has had major leads made against it um, by the Taliban. And the Taliban has made so many gains that they have, in fact, overthrown the U.S.-backed government of Afghanistan and taken Kabul, which is the capital city. Lots of stuff going on there. Um, you see the Taliban enforcing its authoritarian ways as um, religious extremists do in any religion. Um, and this is something that we've seen in the history of the Middle East pretty much since um, Muhammad died. And you see the split between the Sunni and Shiites. You see a lot of um, Islamic extremists in the Middle East. And this isn't necessarily to say that I'm not going to make a comment about religion here, but the Middle East has been plagued with conflict and wars as long as it's been around since its existence, which is, well, if you go back a very long time. So the, the Taliban has been making gains on the U.S.-backed government of Afghanistan. The president of Afghanistan fled the country on Sunday. This is a, a situation where the Taliban has obviously taken control. They've been seeking out civil servants. Um, there's been reports of them threatening violence if they don't. I believe that's courtesy of NPR right there. But there's been reports of, of them, people saying that they would be threatening violence for those that don't. Um, and then you see um, Sharia law go into effect with um, what's been going on and the Taliban having control. Um, Pictures of models in the main streets of Kabul uh, have been covered up, and and the crazy part is this is this has been something that's been done by by citizens in a lot of in a lot of fashions, um, which which begs the bigger question, which is, you know, one of the main points on why we shouldn't be in Afghanistan, but this is not our war to fight. There's so many reasons for this, but if a nation wants to be a theocracy. 
then we need to allow them to be the theocracy. We, with a culture that's completely different, with a culture that's so embedded in such an authoritarian religion, in a culture that's so embedded with, with having a theocracy and having their religion be their way of life and be something that, that they just live by, it's, it's something that, you know, it's not really our determination to, to enforce our way of lives on them. And, and there's been multiple evidences for why this is something that honestly goes to show that, that the people of Afghanistan may actually want. There's been reports of, of troops leaving bases and posts, leaving the weapons there. But not only have they been leaving, but they've been surrendering with no fights and, and possibly even joining the Taliban forces. There's no morale there for the Afghan government. And when there's no morale and you have people giving up like this, it really begs the question, is this a fight that they want to be having? And that's not our decision to make for the Afghans. This is not our fight to have. And, and this, is, this is something that we instigated in a lot of ways. We originally went into Afghanistan going after Al-Qaeda, which is the group that did 9-11. Um, and, and since then, we haven't left. Afghanistan's been our allies. But, but this is something that if, we're, if the United States is going to install a government overseas and the government doesn't have the power to stand on its own two legs, then it's either a governmental philosophy or structure that doesn't resonate with the sovereignty of the people that are there. And it needs to be the people's determination to decide what kind of government they want to have. That's not up to us to decide. And there's a lot of different instances that are showing that there's a big possibility that this is something that the people of Afghanistan want. Just because it's a U.S.-backed government doesn't mean that it's right for what the people that are in Afghanistan. So they've been videotaped. These Afghanistan officials have been, along with the troops abandoning posts, leaving weapons and ammunition for the Taliban, but also surrendering without a fight in many cases, because again, it begs the question, is this a fight that they really want to have? Or is this a fight that we're imposing on them and a fight that we're assuming they want to have? Do we really assume that these people don't want to live in a theocracy? We have, we have no jurisdiction or right to make that assumption. And it's none of our business to begin with. They get to live their lives how they choose. So, you know, I advocate for freedom of government in every way, but this is the land of the free and we cannot go around enforcing what we believe to be right or democracy on nations that have really no business being a democracy, both in cultural and historical aspects. So these leaders, in, in addition to, I'll get going off a little bit on that because it's none of our business, but in addition to these, these military leaders giving up posts, giving up weapons, surrendering without a fight, or even joining the Taliban forces. Uh, Afghanistan officials have also been videotaped handing power to Taliban leaders. So this, again, begs the question, is this a fight that they really want to have, or is this a fight that we assume they want to have? This is something that, that the United States feels strongly on, apparently, in terms of the the war hawk crowd and the people that think we have a responsibility to quote unquote, ensure liberty to people across the world. The way that we ensure liberty to people across the world is by allowing them to come here. And that goes into the immigration uh, topic that I've talked about on the show before. Ron Paul, I listened to the Ron Paul Liberty report on it. Ron Paul, again, always great to listen to, but he made a very 
a very good statement that I like. And one of the big arguments against pulling out of Afghanistan is that we need to be there for these people because the Americans, we've, we've spent so many lives there. And if we pull out, then those lives are going to waste. Ron Paul made a very good point. He said, we lose tens of thousands of American boys over there and, and kill a million more. These lives have already gone to waste. And that's exactly true. Not to say that those you know, who, who served in the Middle East haven't sacrificed. But the problem is, is that it has gone to waste because there's always ulterior motives, whether that be for ulterior motives. I know how to say that word. Um, whether it be for oil, which has been a very big uh, topic of the subject on this, or whether it be for, and particularly with Afghanistan, the poppy fields. And if you ask a lot of Afghanistan vets, what they did over there, a lot of them are going to respond that they guarded the poppy fields, they guarded the opium fields. And there's a lot of skepticism for why this may have happened. Um, but ultimately, we, we need to stop our reign of terror in the Middle East. We've had a 30-year campaign of turning the Middle East in the grass. And I believe in, in not forcing our way of life on people. If we're going to be the land of the free, if they choose to live in a theocracy, they choose to live in a theocracy. It's what the sovereignty of the nation decides, not what we decide for them. And we need to end the violence. There's been so much violence going on in the Middle East, and it's, and it's horrifying, and it's heartbreaking. And it's something that we need to grow over as a nation. We are done policing the world. We need to be done with this stuff. It's none of our responsibility. It's none of our business. And we do allow people to, to live that way if that's what they choose for their nation. We need to end the violence and we need to end the war and we need to end all the wars. Okay. We've had an armed conflict in the Middle East for, for 30 years now and it's never ending. And it has been a rabbit hole of military spending that we just absolutely could not get in could not get out of. And it's, it's costed our nation trillions of dollars. It's wasted tax money. It's wasted American lives and it's wasted the lives of people overseas. God forbid innocent lives as well. And it's heartbreaking. And it's something that needs to end. The foreign intervention done by the United States has caused the death of millions of people in the last hundred years. It is, it is, both primarily by by the people who are out there killing and by secondary effects, it has caused so much harm and so much damage to people across the world. Not only that, but it's given momentum and incentive to competing regimes that are anti-liberty to continue their pushes. So Afghanistan and the Middle East, they've been they've been just completely rigged with violence for hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. And you saw some, like the Ottoman Empire and some, some crazy things come out of it. The interesting thing is with, with the way that this deal works is that Trump, Trump began the process of pulling them out. Like I said, he had negotiated a deal with the Taliban and they were gonna pull out by May 1st. And now he's criticizing Biden with the way that they're being pulled out. And in honesty, like, okay, so th the deal that Trump made would have been overall better. And we should have stuck to our word on that as a nation. Uh, Biden's going to get in the office and go ahead and just do whatever he wants because screw the, the previous administration and the work that has been done. This is part of the problem with the two-party system is you think that, oh, this guy is a different party than me. And if I, if I roll with what he did or if I, you know, don't change it up or, or do what I want to do in defiance of that, then I'm betraying my party, but they also want to keep us divided like that. 
there's things that we can take that says, okay, Trump says we're going to pull out by May 1st. He negotiated a good deal with the Taliban. So let's go ahead and pull out. We're not going to do that. We have a, we have an agenda as a democratic party to, to not do that and uh, take credit for whatever happens or whatnot. Just absolute ridiculousness, absolute political games. But I want to go back to, to what I said about um, that. That's a little bit about the deal. Uh, yeah, Biden's pulling out now and he's catching criticism for it because it's irresponsible. Get get him out of there. It's not it's not our fight to have. We don't need to worry about it being irresponsible. We need to worry about it's You know what is irresponsible is leaving our boys out there to die to fight someone else's war for them on a lost cause that's been constantly uh defended and the situations have been manipulated for tens for decades and decades and decades this is something that the that the military leaders have lied about that the government has lied about and there's many instances for this with us going into the middle east we are going after al-qaeda because that was the group osama bin laden was a part of that executed the attacks on 9-11 so I'm not going to get into the conspiracy side of this yet. Don't worry. I'm going to talk about the conspiratorial side and what I actually think is going on um, in a little bit later in this episode, maybe shortly after this. But um, but the, we, the attacks on 9-11 happened. And I'm not to say that the American lives laws weren't a lost, weren't a tragedy. But Osama bin Laden claimed that something would happen to the United States um, because we wouldn't pull out of, I believe it was Afghanistan or Saudi Arabia at the time or something like that, but it was his home nation. And he said that we weren't pulling out. And if we didn't pull out, there'd be consequences. And we didn't pull out, of course, because, you know, we're not going to let some people in the Middle East who are guerrilla fighters tell us what to do, right? We're the, we're the US of A. So these people say, leave our country. We don't. And then, um, as the story goes, they execute the attack on us. So what do we do? We go into the Middle East more and we cause more mayhem and more harm. And I'm all about, you know, giving the foot to someone that, you know, attacks the United States. But there always needs to be a, a point of rationality and reasonableness that allows us to determine whether or not this is a lost cause, whether or not this is something that's worth fighting for. And that's something that our leaders haven't been able to do. That's something that our leaders have manipulated and fabricated in so many different ways. The, the war in the Middle East has not only had severe consequences in the Middle East, but it's had severe consequences here in the United States. Shortly after 9-11, the Patriot Act was passed, which led to mass surveillance of U.S. citizens in the name of home security, where the NSA, and this was leaked by Edward Snowden, who... I heard speak at Yale's convention, um, but and he has some great information out there about the ways that you're being watched and stuff like that. But the NSA has been doing illegal monitoring of United States citizens for years and years and years and years, all you know, all to the credit of the Patriot Act, which is a completely unconstitutional violation of the Fourth Amendment, and it did not allow Americans' privacy for the government. They had no warrants to search this stuff, and a lot of them claimed that there were secret courts to do warrants. First of all, secret courts are an abomination, and they're secretive, and the government should not be secretive about stuff to the U.S. citizens in that fashion. They do it in the name of national security, and they took they took, they were opportunists, as all government figures are, as they are authoritarian. They were opportunistic about what happened on 9-11, and they took advantage of that opportunity, and they used it to restrict our freedom. That's exactly what happened with COVID, and that's exactly what happens in almost every single situation where 
where uh, something bad may happen, the government is going to be opportunistic about it. They're going to use whatever they can to advance their powers. And then they're going to claim it as emergency powers. And then they're never going to get rid of those emergency powers, which is why still to this day, when is the last time we had a terrorist attack on American soil that wasn't from a U.S. citizen? It, the, these And, and not, I'll even get into the to the conspiracy theories about about what happened um, with well, maybe I shouldn't go too deep into the conspiracies, but there has been terrorist attacks on the American soil. But again, this is this is used to monitor U.S. citizens, not to monitor the extremists. They said, and um, this is something that has been manipulated to control the people. But um, I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not going to go into the conspiratory side of the other attacks. That's too off topic for today. But um, this, the, it has, it, there's a rightful amount of skepticism behind all this stuff, and and it's to keep us in fear. So, getting into the conspiracy side, though, of what happened on 9/11, I think that it's not politically correct to say because of how big of a tragedy it was. But honestly, like at this point, can we all admit that we know that the U.S. government did this? Like at this at this point in time, I think that's something that we should really be talking about. I think that's something that we really should be able to admit. That's something that we shouldn't be afraid to talk about. And the there's so much evidence for it. First of all, I and I've I've retweeted this and liked tweets of this, but there's there's video and photo evidence of these planes dropping stuff behind them as they're crashing into the towers. Uh, planes don't planes don't explode like that on impact as well. Uh, many people who have seen and been in plane crashes have have made that claim. Jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams, and there was many important figures. Um, the person who owned the World Trade Center at the time, uh, a week prior, a week before, had taken out terrorism insurance, and his sons and him all did not show up to work that day. And there was many officials that were also told to do the same. Some of them were told, uh, well, I assume some of them were told why. I, I assume a great deal of them were told why not. Uh, there's no, any sort of leftover video evidence of the attack on the Pentagon that happened. Um, and, you know, I think that there's just, there's there's so much fuzziness there for so many things. First of all, uh, building building number seven there's no reason that it should have collapsed whatsoever, but it did. Um, they they were almost obviously timed bomb blasts. But um, with with that going on with 9-11, it was, it was an excuse for us to not only go into the Middle East more, but for the government to do mass surveillance of U.S. citizens. And they've been working on this for such a long time, building on this authoritarianism to instill the democracy that we now see reigns terror on the world. This is something that, you know, we've, we've seen in Afghanistan, but other countries in the Middle East as well. With that being said, um, there's motives for us to stay in Afghanistan. Like I said, the poppy fields there produce 90% of the world's heroin. 90% of the world's heroin. And the United States has had an increasing heroin problem since our involvement in Afghanistan. Um, not to say that I'm anti-drug or anything like that, but there's coincidences that need be uh, recognized. So there's also pictures floating around of Tal Taliban soldiers previously that um, were photographed um, and they're guerrilla fighters. So, you know, they're, they're not holding their uh, weapons or firearms in a, in a manner that would be considered appropriate to gun safety. 
when they're not firing and, and such. And then you see pictures of them in, in these government buildings and they've all got this crazy trigger discipline now. And it begs the question, you know, that the CIA, <laughs> this, this ridiculous rogue agency that the United States has had. And I actually want to, I meant to search this up a little bit earlier. Um, let's see, when was the CIA created? 1947. And how, how, how interesting is that? So the CIA is created right after the World War II. And you know, do you guys remember who was the president in World War II for, for a big portion of it? It was Eisenhower, okay? So let's draw some connections here with the CIA and Eisenhower this, and the military industrial complex, which is something that Eisenhower, a former general, had warned us about very specifically. Eisenhower had told us that there was going to be uh, issues in terms of what was going on with uh, the military industrial complex and that it was a rabbit hole that we were never going to be able to escape from. And we haven't to this day. The military industrial complex is still strong. It still receives a significant portion of the government bailouts when it goes. And of course, the government can't do anything efficiently. That's why they hire private companies to make the weapons and such. But a large, a significant portion of the corporate bailouts have gone to these agency or to these corporations that are contributing to the military industrial complex. Military industrial complex pops up, becomes a thing. CIA pops up, becomes a thing. And there's lots of other things that the CIA has been involved with and I'm not going to go into today because that's totally off topic. Hunter and I are going to do a conspiratorial episode of political dysfunction in a short amount of time. So you guys will have an opportunity to hear the gist of it when when we finally do that. But the the CIA, particularly when it comes to drugs, has quite a shady past. There is absolutely reason for us to stay in the Middle East a lot longer than than uh, withholding and, and helping prop up a U.S.-backed regime in uh, Afghanistan. And that's for those poppy fields, which has been much of the soldiers' number one focus as they've spent time in Afghanistan. So a significant portion of the heroin comes from these poppy fields. 90% of the world's heroin comes from Afghan poppy, poppy fields. The CIA has before planted uh, drugs in um, America. And in fact, that's one of the things that they did majorly under Reagan's administration is Reagan and the CIA planted crack in African-American communities and then started over-policing it. Again, this is a lot of this stuff is all just a big plan that we just, that we need to try and stay on top of. And it may seem conspiratorial, but at this point in time, if you're not theorizing about these conspiracies, then are you really paying attention? Because there is no, I mean, you cannot tell me. And I think that if you're listening to the show, you're probably on the same page as me at this, but you cannot tell me that these guys are honest to us. You cannot tell me that these guys care about what's in our best interest. You cannot tell me that these guys aren't all interested in covering their own asses and making sure that they can get reelected and then staying in their cool kids club up there with all the other elected officials that are trafficking children with people like Jeffrey Epstein. I mean, you can, how can anyone trust these people? I don't understand it. So there are ulterior motives, particularly heroin for the United States to stay, to stay in Afghanistan. And this is something that uh, should should have attention drawn to it. Absolutely. Uh, of course, you know, the United States government has the need to hold a monopoly on everything that it can see. And so we're going to go ahead and stay in Afghanistan so that we can control really where all of this heroin is going. Um, it, it's quite interesting how 
the government loves to get involved with, with the black market on, on stuff that it's outlawed. You can't sell this, but we're going to control this whole industry. And of course, they'll never admit to it um, because that's part of their, you know, they, I mean, if the American citizens knew, oh gosh, you know, that would, that would be a catastrophe for not only the elected officials, but for the federal government in general, because why on earth do we have three letter agencies like the CIA and the ATF and the DEA that are able to make laws when they're unelected officials. So it would screw up the whole empire that we have and it would make them lose their power. The citizens would get so mad that they would either elect politicians that are wanting more results and, and more uh, work against this kind of stuff and against the corruptions, or we would just get so pissed off to the point that we would decide to, re to revolt. And it's, it's, it's almost like laughable to me that that so many people just don't understand how much stuff we're lied about we're, that are lied about to us. We are almost nothing that we see is being portrayed in a truthful manner, nor does it include the truth. And and they just leave out all the information that the U.S. does. Anyways, about what I was saying about the CIA and the way that the Taliban, um, you could see in the pictures before, they're, they're not, they don't have proper firearm safety and, um, you know, they're, they're sitting there with their fingers on the triggers, pointing the firearms in unsafe directions. They're posing like they're in the military in some of these pictures where they've taken over major cities in Afghanistan and they've got proper trigger discipline and they're all pointing their guns in a, in a, in an actual, uh, position that's that's a safe position and it's it's quite interesting but uh, i gotta say this i believe that this is something that has been cooked up by the cia uh, the cia and we if you if you pay attention to much history of terrorist groups in the middle east you will know that the cia has been training terrorist groups and arming terrorist groups in the middle east for the same amount of time that we've been there because we arm the bad guys to fight the even worse guys. We arm and train the bad guys to fight the even worse guys. So what's interesting is uh, to see to see and possibly predict where this is going to go. Biden's going ahead and continuing to pull out of Afghanistan given this. However, it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out because it seems like um, this is assuming that this is something that was done by the CIA, something that was the CIA has trained these people uh, to do this and trained insurgents as they have multiple, multiple, multiple times in the Middle East. And again, they have vested um, interest in staying in the Middle East because of the, the poppy fields. I think that in a way, this is just something that's going to uh, end up being a reason for the United States to stay in Afghanistan because secretly they want to do it for the poppies. But if they can make the United States feel bad about the regime and the Taliban taking over and all this, all this, these horrific losses, which don't get me wrong, like it's, it, I'm really sad that these people are not living in a, in a libertarian society as none of us really are, but it's, it's something that the CIA has vested interest in staying in. And I believe that as the citizens of this nation and as the anti-war movement has grown so strongly in the United States, um, it's something that they're trying to manipulate and give more reason for us staying in the Middle East. They care about poppies. They think that they can trick us into thinking that it's something else. So 
this is, I think that this is ultimately just a plan to try and kill the anti-war movement in the United States and to give more reason for us not again, yet again, not to leave the Middle East because, of course, we cannot stay there long enough. We cannot waste enough money. We cannot lose enough American lives until mission accomplished, right? Whatever that mission is. Biden claimed that the that the mission in a speech today, which wasn't actually too bad, I gotta say. This is one of the things Biden's continuing to pull out. Some people may say it's irresponsible. I don't care. We need to get those guys out of there. Trump's deal would have been better, but number one priority is always to bring the guys home. We need to we need to knock it off, especially in the Middle East, all right? But the goal was was to put the United States in a situation to where uh, we could not, you know, be attacked like how we previously were. And he said, "Mission accomplished." Of course, it's just a failed, a failed objective yet again. But you know, mission accomplished, and uh, it doesn't matter. Mission accomplished, right? We pull out, and we're done in the Middle East. Okay, great. I don't care what the reasoning is behind it. We're done in the Middle East. We need the we need to quit policing the world. So I do got to say, Biden, this is this might be, if not is, the only thing that I've seen you do in your presidency that I agree with. But um, congratulations on doubling down on keeping out of the Middle East. Uh, I hope that they, you know, that ends up playing out. The Pentagon wants to stay in the Middle East, and a lot of people like to reference the Pentagon when they talk about stuff like this. But what people don't realize is the Pentagon wants all their tax dollars. The Pentagon are warmongers. That's their job. It's their job to go out there and and be militaristic and violent. Not to say that that there's not a role for that and that we don't need a, a structure of national security in a way in home defense. But, you know, like I said, it's these guys' jobs. They get paid more the more they do. They get more funding the more they do. So, of course, the, the Pentagon's going to say we need to stay in the Middle East. But they're not understanding the grand scheme of the American people don't want to freaking pay for this. And because they're not elected officials, their spots are on the line if we don't get out of the Middle East unless they get someone in there that's really actually anti-war. And, of course, it's such a big mumbo-jumbo of nobody actually being anti-war and anti-authoritarianism and, and everyone wanting to keep the system going and keeping their jobs and, you know, keep the United States empire going that, you know, of course they want to stay out there. Of course they want to stay out there. They're going to get more funding. They're going to get more jobs. They're going to be doing more stuff. They're going to be doing what they signed up to do, which is killing people. And, and it's, it's, it's a disaster. And it's something that we shouldn't be a part of anymore. This, this conflict in the middle East is, and I, and, I talked about it sporadically on this episode, um, but it's something that we just, we need to get out of it. It's been a disaster for so many years. We've had no positive benefits for it. We've wasted American lives. We've wasted American taxpayer dollars and nobody's happy with it. And rightfully so. We need to, we need to be out of there. Nobody's happy with it. It's a disaster for everyone involved. I, I, it's, it's a tragedy. And I'm frankly tired of, of my tax dollars and my fellow citizens' tax dollars, who are the most generous nation in the entire world, even though we're taxed at a rate that could sustain communism, we are still the most generous nation in the world. That doesn't say to me that we want to be killing a bunch of people in the Middle East. This is, and a lot of this is just the social science. But to me, I don't see the United States being a nation full of people that have a desire to cause harm to other people in the world. Our elected officials do because they have vested interest. But guess what? I don't see that in the American people. I see the American people that have a better vision, not only for society, 
But we have a lot better things that our tax dollars could be going to. Not to say because taxation is theft, but we have better things our tax dollars could be going to. And I would rather them go to a lot of different things other than wasting time and money in the Middle East and lives in the Middle East. That's the most important thing. Not only are Americans, but the people over there, their lives being wasted in the Middle East. And it's horrific and it's a tragedy. With that being said, I wanted to talk about this a little bit. This is this is a subject that people are talking about a lot, and it's always important for us to recognize that these problems that we see in the Middle East wouldn't have started in the first place if we didn't insert ourselves into a situation that we didn't belong in. We were never, ever, ever supposed to go in there and tell these people how to live their lives, defy their cultural precedents by installing a new government, and frankly, put a regime over them that is not strong enough to, ha to stand on its own two legs. And again, if this regime is not strong enough, to handle on its own two legs. This shows us that A, the, the cultural aspects of the nation in question are uh, of a culture that rejects overall what we're trying to do in the Middle East. And it shows that that's not what the sovereignty of that nation wants. This is something that the United States has been forcing quote unquote democracy on nations for an extraneous amount of time, and it's not working, and we need to admit that it's not working. These people in power and these people in the military will never admit it, but this is just another war that the United States has lost, and it's time to lose lose our casualties, stop put, like, making people die out there, stop wasting our tax dollars, bring our guys home, and let's focus on ourselves, because we've got a lot of work to do here. we got a lot of cleansing our own government to do. So before we go around telling other nations what to do, telling them they're so bad, their cultural choices are so bad, the people they want in power are so bad, how about we look at ourselves and we look at why the CIA is freaking planting crack in African-American communities and then over-policing it? Let's look at why the criminal justice system is so screwed up. Let's look at why people feel the need to disproportionate and blow out of proportion this cultural Marxism that we're seeing. Let's start focusing on ourselves. Let's start focusing on our economy. Let's get the freaking dollar under control as if that's ever going to happen. But we need to cleanse our government. And before we go around telling other people that their government's so bad, telling them what they need to do, we need to look at ourselves because we have a lot of work to do on this side. With that being said, that's going to wrap up this episode of Utah Liberty Talk. A bit of a spur of the moment, but I like to hop on this stuff when it happens. Um, you saw it with what happened on January 6th, and and uh, so I had to give it some attention. I had to get on here and talk about it. So thanks, y'all, for listening again to Utah Liberty Talk. Uh, this is episode number 10. Um, we might have a new one out this Sunday. I guess we'll see. Um, I'm going to try and get some guests on here soon. I know I've said that before. I had a couple couple prospects, I guess, fall out or not reach back out to me. Um, but I'm going to be working on getting some good guests on here and having some interesting discussions with you guys. Thanks again for listening, y'all. Hope you gained something about this. Um, and give us some love on Apple Podcasts. Um, anyone that goes on Apple Podcasts and leaves us a rating and a review will be automatically entered into a competition to win a free Utah Liberty Talk t-shirt. There will be three winners for this giveaway. And all you got to do is give us a rating on Apple Podcasts and write us a review and you'll automatically be entered into that drawing. And those will be announced in a couple weeks. Thanks again for listening, y'all. Appreciate the support. Appreciate the love. Uh, peace, love, liberty. Y'all go ahead. Make sure you share this with people and spread the philosophy because this is what it's about. This is what it's about. Free agency, allowing people to live their lives as they decide and being peaceful and respectful towards everyone else. This is Tyson David signing off. Thanks, y'all.